All right, here we go. Good morning. Today's Davos Davdalad, page four in the Hidgah Maseches, above Metziah, Perak Shnai Mechzin. And we're going to go back to the bottom of 3B, Gimel Amad Beis. And we're going to pick up uh, five lines from the bottom of the page with the words, Ella Asya Mi Eid Echad. Rather, we learn it out from the law of a single witness. All right, let's pause for a moment, take it a quick overview. Um, yesterday, we learned that... If somebody admits to half of a claim by themselves, you claim $100 from me, no witnesses or anything. And I admit in front of a court that I owe 50. The halacha is I need to pay the 50 that I agreed to. And the, the extra $50 that I'm denying, I take an oath that I don't owe it to you. And then I'm off the hook. What would happen if instead of me admitting to 50 you have the following case. You come to me and say, tell me you owe me $100. Witnesses say that I owe 50. I don't, I personally didn't admit that I owe 50. Witnesses, two witnesses said I owe 50. Then what's the halacha? So I certainly need to pay 50 based upon the two witnesses. What about the other 50? Do I have to take an oath that I'm not responsible on the other 50? So Rabbi Chia said yes. He said, you do. He said, out of logic, Logic dictates that I need to pay the other 50. If when I personally admit I pay the first 50, I need, to, I need to swear on the other 50. If two witnesses say I need to pay the first 50, how much more so should I have to swear about the other 50? Now, where that logic comes from, we don't know. We don't know. Who says? Okay? This is going to be the focus of today's daf. All right? What's, what's Reb Chia's logic? Again, he says logic dictates... That if when I admit to 50, I swear on the other 50, how much more so if two witnesses say I paid the 50, they need to swear. We're trying to figure out how, that, how, uh, how to make sense of that. So here we go. Ella, rather, five lines to the bottom of Gilman Beis. Asim Eidachad Rav learns it out from the law of a single witness. And it goes like this. Just like when a single witness comes to Bezdin and says, Bezdin, Tendler owes $100. It doesn't make a difference. And again, just, if the law is if a single witness verifies a claim, I don't automatically have to pay. But the Torah says I have to take an oath if I don't want to pay. Okay? So if a single witness who cannot obligate financially can obligate an oath, aid them, two witnesses, that could obligate financially, how much more so could they create an oath? Get the logic? Now here's the problem. I want to pause for a minute. This is how the Gemara is going to train us how to think. If you look at it on the surface, this makes sense. If a single witness that doesn't obligate financially could obligate an oath, witnesses that do obligate financially certainly could obligate an oath. That's the logic. There's a fault in that logic, and here's the fault. All right. What's the case where a single witness obligates me, uh, obligates me in an oath? So here's the case. A single witness walks into court and he says, Tendler owes $100. How much do I have to swear about? What am I swearing on? Whatever the single witness said, I have to swear on $100. Right? Whatever he said, that's what I'm taking an oath on. When two witnesses come to court and a guy claimed 100 the witnesses say I owe 50. What am I taking an oath on? What the witnesses didn't say. Because the first 50, I'm paying automatically. Because there's two <clears throat> witnesses. 
What am I taking an oath on? On what they didn't say. So very nice, the Gemara is about to challenge this logic. Very nice, you want to make a logic. When one witness shows up, there's an oath taken. So when two witnesses show up, certainly, the Gemara, whoa, pause. The Gemara is about to ask, hold up. No. A single witness obligates an oath on the very claim. When two witnesses show up, you're trying to tell me that I need to take an oath on something they're not even claiming? What sort of logic is that? Okay? Very gishmak. Okay? So here we go. Says the Gemara, I don't understand your logic. Let's, let's explain this. By a single witness, what are you swearing on the very thing the witness said? We now turn to the top of today's daf. Can you say by two witnesses, the two witnesses, are, you want to put an oath on that which he is denying and they're not even claiming he owes? That's not a logic. You're right. That's not logic. That's not Rabbi's source that when two witnesses come, you take an oath. You know how you learn it? You learn it out from Gilgul Shvua of Eidachad. Okay. Now let's explain what Gilgul Shvua of Eidachad is. Again, these things are going to take a little bit of uh, patience and understanding, but it's giving us a firm understanding of various oaths. So there's, there's a concept like this. It's a concept called Gilgul Shua. The word Megalgel literally what we, it means to like circle. It's like, like a tire in Hebrew, right? To, to circle. There's this concept of Gilgul Shua. What's a Gilgul Shua? So Gilgul Shua is as follows. If, a, if a, once I'm on the stand to take an oath, there's parameters around this, but the Besden can obligate oaths about other similar matters which they wouldn't initially be allowed to put, to put me under oath with. But once I'm on the stand, they'll say, oh, tell me you're denying this. You're denying this claim, and the Torah obligates an oath over here, for example, by a single witness. We're going to add another oath to the tab once you're on the stand. We wouldn't do this initially, but once you're there, we can add on. Now, that's called Gilgul Shvua. You, you're rotating oaths. One oath is, is, is cycling, circling to another oath. Okay. In that case, the second oath, is that on the actual claim? Or is it being added to a claim? It's being added. And the halacha is you could do that by a single witness. So, let's uncover another layer. What was just our challenge? We said the oath of a single witness is completely different than the oath of two witnesses. Why? Again, by a single witness... I'm swearing about the actual claim. By the two witnesses, I'm not swearing on what they said, I'm swearing about the remainder. Says the Gemara, well, actually, by a single witness, you can compare it to the case of two, and I'll show you how. Because you can have a case of Gilgul Shua, where a single witness comes, and I'm swearing on something in addition to the claim, the same way when two witnesses come, I pay the first and I need to swear on the addition. So even by a single witness, you find the concept of swearing on something that's additional to the first claim. And we're back to our original logic, and we'll say, the same way by a single witness, he can obligate me to swear on something he's not even currently claiming, so too by two witnesses, I should be obligated to swear on something that they're not currently claiming. Answers the Gemara. Okay, we got this? Beautiful. Says the Gemara, that's called Gilgul Shvua. Says the Gemara, wrong again. Mala Gilgul Shvua de'edachach ken Shvua gairera Shvua. He says wrong again. You know why? Let's get into the logic. 
very nice by Gilgus where you're saying there's an original claim. And then you're adding a second claim that you're not even claiming, but he says, no, no, no. Let me tell you something. That second oath is only there because of the first oath. And the first oath was on an actual claim. Therefore, the second oath is also considered to be on the actual claim. Because it's, it's a tag-along baby brother. And the baby brother can only go where the big brother goes. So the, the, the first oath, can you start that oath on something that's a non-claim by a single witness? No. You can only do it on the actual claim. Even the Gilgul Shavuot is considered to be an oath on an actual claim. Don't view it like it's an additional component. It's not an additional component. It's only there through the force of an oath of an actual claim. And therefore, it's still different than trying to create an oath by two witnesses, which is nothing to do with what two witnesses are saying. It's the remainder past what they're saying. But two witnesses, they're making a uh, payment, and therefore the logic here is completely different. And therefore you have no proof. To which the Gemara says, Gemara says, last stuff again. Thank you very much. When a person admits to something, that'll prove that uh, whatever part of a claim, your uh, portion of a claim, doesn't, uh, doesn't have a direct Im- impact. Says when somebody admits it's not uh, to something, it's not capable of being machish. Uh, now machish is when you have two witnesses going against two other witnesses. We don't know who to follow, so we just knock them both off. Okay. Now when I admit to something, that's an impossibility. It's an impossibility. Because once I admit to an obligation, even if two witnesses come and say what? Yeah, I'm not obligated? It <laughs> doesn't matter. You just said you're obligated, so we're going to obligate you to pay. So the, the case of a single witness will come, and by single witness, obviously, there is an ability to be contradicted, and also the ability to create an oath. It says that, So what the Gemara is doing here, let's just pause, without getting too in the specifics. There, there's a rule in Gemara, and what the Gemara will do at times like this, and say, okay, what's our goal? Our goal is to learn out that when two witnesses come, an oath can be created. That, that's what Rebchia said, right? Rebchia said, logic dictates that when two witnesses come, an oath can be created. And we're trying to get into his logic. That's how we started out today. Where's he coming from? Where, where does logic dictate? Well, a single witness. Is, that's, that's not logic. It's a whole different type of oath. It's an oath on something. What the Gemara will do, and that's what's happening right here, is say like this. You're right. I will not be able to look at the laws of a single witness specifically and say that the laws of two witnesses are exactly in sync with that. That's true. But what I could do is like this. I could take another halacha, for example, a litigant's own admission. And if I put that side by side with a single witness, I can perhaps use the extrapolate, pull out from the two of those laws to learn out this one law. In other words, even if I can't take one specific law and line all my ducks up directly to tell me logic will come from one, perhaps if I take two of them, there'll be enough power within those two, which is me being obligated through my own admission and at times taking an oath and me being obligated through a single witness and say there's enough similarities between those two to say and and to create a logic that when two witnesses show up, I could do that as well. And the way to do that, let me just explain, the way to line those two up and, and learn out the third law is by showing that if, if I could show that within those two, 
every time I use a chumrah, a strength of one, and say, hey, that one has a chumrah over two witnesses. So you can't, you, you can't assume two witnesses obligates an oath. I can now look at the other one and say, oh, but that one doesn't have the chumrah, there's still an oath. So it must be that the driving force of the oath is not... It's not what's chamor over there. It's not what's strict. Then I look at the other one. I'm like, oh, but you can't learn out directly from admission either because admission is different than two witnesses as well. I'm like, oh, but the single witness one doesn't have that law and it's still a driving force for an oath. So you see that 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 strength is not the driving force. Knock them out. And now I could use the two of them to learn out the third. That's, the, that's what we, we do in drushes, okay? And that's what the Gemara is uh, doing over here. So again, let's back up a line. When it comes to person, when a person admitting, it has a stringency that you can't be, uh, you, you can't be uh, contradicted by witnesses. So maybe it's that strength of admission that obligates the oath. It says, no, a single witness could be uh, contradicted by other witnesses. And you still obligate an oath. So you see the fact that you can't be contradicted is not the driving force to allow the oath. But if I look at the law of single witness, what did we mention before? A single witness can only obligate that which he actually uh, that which he actually testified about, and not only additional part. So then, when a person admits on his own, what is he taking an oath on? That which uh, uh, that which he uh, is not admitting to. Right? You pay for what you admit to, and you pay on who you're not admitting to, which is very similar to two witnesses. The Chazar Adin, and then the cycle repeats itself. The laws of a single witness and the laws of somebody admitting are not exactly alike, but they have a common denominator. What's the common denominator between when I admit I'm obligated an oath, when a single witness comes, I'm obligated an oath? What is the common denominator between them? You know why I'm swearing? Because there's a claim against me and I'm trying to deny. That's the only common denominator that, that, uh, that I could find. We'll say the same thing by two witnesses, since two witnesses are coming and they're coming with a claim. Um, so uh, anytime witnesses come and there's a claim and a denial, we can obligate an oath. Says I don't like that. Don't tell me there's such a common characteristic that we're just going to take those two now and be able to learn out. I'll show you that that common characteristic is actually not true. How so? See, he says like this. When a single witness comes, am I a proven liar? No. When I admit or before I admit on my own, am I a proven liar? No. You know why? Because I'm coming and admitting to something. When two witnesses walk into court, I've now been proven to be a liar. By when witnesses come, he's a proven liar. Okay? So here's the question. It says the Gemara, maybe when two witnesses come, you cannot take an oath. You know why? From the fact that you denied everything, and they just showed that you owe 50 out of 100. Eh, come with a claim. You owe 100 bucks. Two witnesses come and say, tell them it was 50. What just happened? I'll tell you what happened. I completely lost my trustworthiness in this area. And if you know what we should say, you can't even take an oath. We don't trust your man. Your man uh, you don't trust the word. Don't even take an oath. Yeah. Maybe when we don't know for a fact that you're a liar, like a single witness came or you admitted on your own, we'll allow an oath. Maybe over here we shouldn't even allow an oath. Now, what would you do with the rest? 
Maybe you should just have to pay it. Okay? But we're not going to let you t- go on the stand. Says the Gemara, one second, when two witnesses come, are you a proven liar? If somebody has a denial of a claim, and obviously witnesses come, and say it's not true, you're still, uh, you're still uh, capable of, of being an aid, a, test, uh, a witness. But if you deny somebody having deposited something by you, then you become, uh, you become a puzzle for aidus. Let's pause and explain why. If you deposit $100 by me, you come to get it and I deny it. Like, it's not. No, never gave it to me. Witnesses come and say, yes, he did. Yes, he did. Allah is, says Rav Idi, I cannot testify in court anymore in financial matters. I've lost all credibility. Why? There's nothing telling me that I'm, I wouldn't lie. By financial matters. Okay? Next case. You come to me and you say, Tendler, we lent you $100. And I deny it. You bring witnesses that I owe the $100. I still am allowed to testify. Why? A loan is meant to be used. It's very possible, and this is a beautiful psychology. It applies with our children. It applies with colleagues. It's very possible somebody's lying to me not because they really are a thief. It's because they're incapable of something. Like we've mentioned from Bavakama, they're trying to save face. They're trying to do something. But if you have an element of excusability, if that's a word, then you're not an automatic... You're not automatically um, considered a liar... You, it's called Myra Hetter. A person could find ways to excuse the, 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 uh, the claim. Again, if you deposit something by me, I have no excuse why it's not by me. I wasn't allowed to use it. So it should be right here. So if I deny it, I, I have no excuse. But when you lend me money, it's not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to have used it. That's why I needed to borrow money. And so why am I denying it? I just don't have it. Since I have an excuse... Now, Aiden... Witnesses say you do owe it, so I'm, I'm a liar. But lying in that form doesn't make me lose all credibility. It's a very important idea. It's fascinating. Sometimes kids will lie to parents or employees will lie to employers. And it makes a big difference as to why they lied. You have to realize what, what are they lying for. Sometimes a child lies to a parent. That's actually a wonderful sign. Not that a child should ever, to lie, should, not that a child ever should lie or is allowed to lie. It's against Allah. But when a parent challenges a child and a child lies, it's also a sign that the child is scared of hurting the relationship. The child doesn't want the parent to not believe in them anymore. It's actually when a kid doesn't care about lying anymore. If a child doesn't care about lying, it's actually not a good sign. Because they don't care about your relationship with you. Right? Now again, it's usher, it's forbidden, it's wrong, but you have to read into the whys. Sometimes they're denying it and there's an ulterior motive that's, that, that, that could be driving it. It does not cause the child to lose credibility. They're lying because they, they desperately are trying to hold on to a relationship. It's an incredible idea. Says Gemara, Rather, we should challenge like this. 
there's a common denominator. Again, in a b'taras hazama, they're not capable of becoming edim zayimim. Okay, we're familiar with edim zayimim. Two witnesses come, and they testify about something. Two other witnesses say it's impossible for you to even testify. So we do to the first because you're with us in another place at, at this time. So we do to the first set of witnesses what they tried to do to the defendant. By two witnesses, there, there is the capability of hazama. says. Teres Hazama, being included in the laws of Hazama, is not a contradiction on this because it's a chiddush. The whole thing is a novel idea in its own right. Okay. Bottom line, let's pause for a minute. Even though it's taking, uh, taking us some time, let's pause for a minute. And we have to speed up a little bit. There's so many new ideas. I can't. I can't. There's so many new ideas. We can't, we can't run over this. So where we're at right now is as follows. Rabkhiya said, told us a statement that through logic... When two witnesses come and they testify that you claim $100, two witnesses come and say, I owe 50, logic dictates I have to swear on the other 50. Where's that logic coming from? Answer is a common denominator between me admitting and a single witness. Combining those two together, create this, this uh, logic that when two witnesses come, I have to swear on the rest as well. Says the Gemara, we can argue on Ruth the Serbchia says that it's a psak halacha midami. I tell you, you can't compare any halachas over here. Hassam by Rebchia's halacha. Again, one of the two witnesses, Lamova Isle Sadi, the lender has witnesses supporting the $50. The Laiva Lesle Sadi, I, the borrower, have no witnesses at all. And therefore, there's no claim against me. You have witnesses on 50, and that's it. End of the conversation. Let's say I had witnesses. Let's say I had witnesses that, they're, that it's limited at 50. You would not be able to add an oath. So we say in our mission, the same way there's witnesses um, about, you know, in, in our Mishnah, when two people hold on to the talis. So we are wit- actually witnessing right now that each one is holding on to half. So there's witnesses that he does get half. And even over here, there is an oath. Okay, we need to pause and unwrap this. Listen to this. You can't, you can't, you can't run over this. Here we go. How do you think? What, what was Rukhia trying to do? He was trying to say, there's an oath when there's two witnesses. Right? Two witnesses. $100 claim. Witnesses, I owe 50 bucks. I got to take an oath on the other 50. What's the source? Both admission and single witness. Why is Reb trying to pull this off? What's his goal? I'll tell you his goal. He's trying to support our Mishnah. Let's go back to our original case. Our Mishnah says that two people walk into a bezin holding on to a talus. So each one owns half. But each one's claiming the whole thing. Each one says the whole thing's mine. We're witnessing. What are we witnessing? that they're both holding on to it. So he says, this is going to be the support for the Mishnah, right? That they have uh, witnessed it. They're, 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 the whole Bezin's witnessing this. Yeah, everybody sees what's happening here. So that's where the, the support for an oath comes from. That's Rebchia. Says the Gemara. Okay. So hold on. Rebchia, your whole logic is now out the window. You have no support for this Mishnah at all. And here's the next layer. <clears throat> Very nice you want to go to, again, admission and single witness to extrapolate why our Mishnah says what it does. But there's a problem. And I'll tell you why. By the case of admission and single witness, let's go over the story. 
Claim of 100 bucks. Admission to 50 or single witness to 50. Now let's move to the case of two witnesses. Claim of 100 bucks. Or we'll say, you're holding on to a talus. Right? And you're claiming the whole thing's yours. I'm holding on to a talus, claiming the whole thing's mine. So we have witnesses that there's an ownership of 50, so each one should take an oath. Says Gemara, that whole logic is out the window. And you know why? Because, let's go back. By admission and single witness, or by the case of a loan of two witnesses, the witnesses say, I owe 50. What's happening with that other 50? That other window. Okay? Lower window, I owe $50. The other $50. Anybody telling me anything? Is there witnesses on the other 50? No, nothing. By my admission on first 50, is anything on the other 50? No. And there's an oath because I have no claim to the other 50. You have no claim to the other 50. The Torah imposes an oath. Right? The problem's like this. Let's say I would bring witnesses that could tell me I don't owe the other 50. Would I have to take an oath? No. I mean, you have no source for that. Again, 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 again. You claim 100. Witnesses say I owe 50. I pay 50 and swear on the other half. What if I, what if theoretically I would have witnesses stating, no, 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 one second. You know, the fact that he owes 50 is only at 50. We know for a fact he doesn't owe anything else. So I have witnesses backing me up on, from 51 to 100. Would I have to take an oath? Any reason to say I do? Any support for that? Probably not. We haven't seen it. So now it says, it says more like this. Two people walk into a bezel holding on to a talis. You want to say what? Why does each one take an oath? Because we view one guy... You owe 50, and the other guy's claiming the other, the other guy's claiming 50 from you because he's claiming you really owe the whole 100, right? That the whole thing's his. So you should have taken oath on the other 50. He says, Come on, one second. The fact that he's holding on to a talus is showing an element of ownership as well. It should be like, and this is the logic that we have to tap into, it should be as if I have two witnesses saying I, I own 50 because I'm actually holding on to the talus, right? I'm, I'm holding this. I'm holding this. When I'm actually, it, it's like I have two witnesses saying on the other 50 that it's mine. And since I've witnessed saying on the other 50 that it's mine, who says to obligate me in an oath? And therefore this whole, this whole concept should be out the window. Rather, you're right. We're backing out. We are backing out. Nothing is true until proven, Right? So it says Gemara like this. Rather, Artana taught it because of a different halacha of Rebchia. says, if somebody claims that he lent somebody else $100, he says, another one says, I only owe you uh, half of it. And here's the half. You have to take an oath on the other half. My time, When you say Halach here, it's as if you admit to, the, uh, to part of the claim. Okay, so it's not like, oh, I read it. It just says here. 
Two people hold on to a talis. Each one swears they own no less than half. Since each one's holding on to the garment, so it's like we're mamish witnessing that whatever he's holding on to is his, and it's as if the other one is saying, "Here, take your fifty." Vikatani yishava, and still we say it's considered that each one should take an oath. Rav Sheshes Amalach Helech Butter, and Rav Sheshes is going to say that the concept of here it's yours of Helech is actually going to potter you. It's not going to obligate you in an oath. My time, why? Ki on Damalei Helech. Since you're saying to the other guy, take that that which is yours. Hani Zuzi, the Kamei the Bigavayu, Kamei the Nakulum Ovadami. The other 50 that he's admitting, it's as if the lender's already holding on to it, so it's not part of the claim. It's as if the whole claim is only on 50. And if on the other 50, he is not, uh, he's not admitting to. It's not considered admitting to half of the claim. Now the logic over here is that when each one's holding on to it, it's as if the, the way to view it is that as long as I'm holding on to something and I know I'm only going to end up with 50, it's as if it's not even part of the claim. And therefore, when I'm obligated to pay 50, I'm paying the entirety of the claim. And therefore, there's, uh, there's not going to be any sort of Torah-imposed shvua, Torah-imposed oath. Rav Sheshes Kashem but according to Rav Sheshes, we have a question from our Mishnah. Because according to our Mishnah, it seems we do consider this to be a case of partial admission that obligates you in an oath. And according to Rav Sheshes, it should not be considered a case of partial admission because each one saying to the other one, Heilich, each one saying to the other one, here, take half. Amr Lach Rav Sheshes, you should know that we're backing out of everything we've been learning and the oath of an admission. The oath of a single witness, those are biblical oaths. The oath in our Mishnah, the rabbis put it in there. No source in the Torah. You can't find the source. The rabbis put it in. They made it up. Okay. Why? So we learned on yesterday's daf, the discussion with Rabbi Yaisi later on, that we want to stop any sort of tricksters. Remember, somebody finds a talus. Somebody says, ooh, go grab onto And now everybody's stuck. Okay? So to stop any sort of, of uh, trickery, we let people know, if you're going to walk in, the first thing you should know, you're taking an oath. You're not just coming in with half ownership just because you're holding on to something. If the other guy's claiming it too, you're going to start oath. So we got we got to start with parameters here. We can't allow uh, the mafia to start the, the, with their sticky fingers and, and, uh, and play around to take 50% of other people's stuff. So you want to know the source for our Mishnah? It's something the rabbis put in to protect society. That's why. But it's not learned out from admission. It's not learned out from single witnesses. Those are biblical oaths. This is a societal oath that the rabbis put in. Another opinion is going to be He agrees that it's rabbinic. If you're going to say that the halacha of halach obligates you to take an oath, should create an oath similar to the to the uh, biblical oath, right? In other words, how do rabbanon know to institute an oath? Rabbis, even when they institute something on their own logic, they always hang it on the logic of the Torah. Okay, so they're going to look at the oaths in the Torah. And they're going to say, let's create a similar oath, rabbinical. 
We're going to say biblically the halach of halach is that you don't have to take an oath. Mesaki rabbanon shvua the lesson the kavanah the raisa or the rabbanon. It's like a theoretical. It's a, with irony. I think that's the word. Would the rabbanon enact an oath that the Torah strictly said we don't create an oath on? And therefore he says that the oath in our Mishnah would not um, would uh, would not be coming just for the measure of protecting society. Meisvei, that's a challenging question. Top of Amud Beis. All right, we got three minutes. Let's go. Slaim dinarim. If it says in the document, you borrowed money, no amount. Malva Oimer Chamish. The lender says, you owe me five hundred dollars. Velayva Oimer Shalosh. I owe three hundred dollars. Since he admitted to part of it, he admitted to 300 out of 500, he's got to take an oath. Rabbi Kiva says, no, you don't have to take an oath. You know why? I'll tell you. What's saying in the document? What's saying in the document? Money. So the lender, does he have a claim to anything more than a penny? No. Follow me. Does the le- if it says the le- Yankel owes Beryl money. How much could Beryl, if Yankel would keep his mouth shut, how much could Beryl claim in a court? The, the smallest amount of money. A penny? A nickel? A dime? Not more than that. But Yankel says, Beryl, you owe me 500. And Beryl says, I owe you 300. So one approach is, Beryl's got to swear on the other two, because he admitted to part. That's one approach. Other approach is, Beryl doesn't swear at all. You know why? Even the first 300, it's like he's returning a lost object to Yankel. Because Yankel really had no claim to anything. No claim. So Beryl's being nice by saying 300. Now you're going to impose an oath? Now, Kutani Mia says in the Bible, since when you admit the part of a claim is your time, it seems that if he admits the three, 300, he has to take an oath. Let's say he'll admit the two. Then he he would be part of from noth. But this document is considered to be like Halach, right? Here it is, because all it said is money, and he's offering him money. She's learned from over here that when you have an expression of Halach, and you have an expression of of uh, here it is, okay? That in other words, I'm admitting to to this amount of money, not that I'm admitting to part of it, but I'm basically saying, take this. Not even like a partial admission, like it's I'm returning something. Yeah, just take it. So that he should be potter. Really, if he had missed the 200 out of 300, he would also be obligated. So the question is like this. The claim was, you owe me 500. Barber says, you owe you 300. We'd say, well, what would be if he owed him 200? So wh- wh- why do we give an example 300? To say that even three slaim, which is more than half, is still considered a partial admission and you're obligated. Yachi of so, Rav Shimon Lazar Aymer, since he admitted the part of the claim, you got to swear, it should say, even in this case, you swear. Even in this case. Ella rather says the Gemara last step for today. Really, I'll tell you, Shtayim Pater, that if you would admit to 200 out of 300, you would not take an oath. And still in the case where he says, here, here's your money, you'd be obligated an oath. The Allah is different because there's a document supporting. There is a document saying I owe money. 
So if you just come into with a claim and say you owe me something, and now the whole payment is completely based upon my admission, it's that you call the Maid of But over here, there's really a document in place. There's a document here. There's a fact that I do owe money. I certainly owe money. So it's such a so uh, so since there's a, a document saying that money is owed, and I'm saying that the amount for it is only two slum, that's um, it has nothing to do with halach. My payment has nothing to do with halach. It has, it's really based upon a document. Inami mishum tahavle shtar shibur karkois beinishbam al shtar shibur karkois. So we don't. Maybe it's because it's a, the document is uh, is in, is there to create a lien on land. And whenever there's a document creating a lien on land. There's no responsibility of an oath. I'll explain what that means, Basham, uh, um, tomorrow evening when we do daf. We're going to aim for six thirty p.m. for uh, for daf this week. We'll pick up on this idea of starship garkais. We'll have a little more time as well, so we'll play quick catch up. We can't fall by. We're beginning of the second, so we'll uh, we'll set aside a little uh, an hour or so for daf tomorrow. But over here, you just got to bounce off for sure. Okay, have a wonderful, wonderful day, Heber.